0: fellow redeemed, we consider especially our Gospel reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. And perhaps as we get into this Gospel reading, one of the things that, that might be helpful for starting to unravel it, unpack it, and apply it to our lives is the concept of how we think about time that you and I, in our typically Western kind of a mindset, we think about ourselves as going forward in time. We think about planning ahead. We think about looking ahead and planning our schedule and anticipating what the next years or decades may bring. And the mindset that we usually see portrayed for us in scripture, especially in the Old Testament, The mindset of the people in the Eastern Mediterranean, the Semitic mindset, is more that what you're looking at is what has come before you already, that the future is unknown and the future is behind you, and so what you see is what you see from the past, not the more Western mindset of I am looking ahead to the future and the past is behind me. And that, I think, gives us a little bit of an insight, a little bit of help to understanding why Jesus talks the way he does today. As he talks to people who who recognize that the future is unknown to them, he's still talking to people who recognize that the future is unknown to them, but our mindset in our world, in our society, our mindset is that if we plan enough and if we do it all the right way and if we pay attention, then we won't have to worry about it. And that's that's where we begin. Jesus says, "Don't worry. For this reason I tell you stop worrying about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear." And he says that like three or four different times in this reading, "Stop worrying and don't worry." And he piles it up, and you and recognize that this is part of the natural condition of the human life. That we, we know what this world can bring. We know that even despite our best efforts to, to drive safely and to um, <laughs> follow the doctor's orders and to wear our seatbelts, that occasionally tragedy may strike. An accident may strike that is totally outside of our expectation and totally outside of our ability to control it or even stop it. And so you and I think about this, and Jesus says, stop worrying. And to an extent, we say to ourselves, well, yeah, I, I, I still worry about some things, but I know that if tragedy strikes, if I happen to fall off a 16-story building, then, um, then my p- family will be taken care of. If tragedy strikes. Yeah, not that there's anybody jumping off a 16-story building, Don Belays. Or, if something happens, I know that if my car gets T-boned in an intersection, that the insurance company will provide a new mode of transportation for me. That in our planning to think ahead, we've got all the tools in the world to plan for what tomorrow may bring. And we do our best to plan for what tomorrow may bring. And we've got, we've got these tools like insurance packages to try to mitigate our future risk. And we've got tools like going to the doctor to try to mitigate our present risk. And so when Jesus says, don't worry, in one sense, in one sense it seems like worrying is and ought to be a thing of the past. But in another way, maybe worrying is more of what we do than of anything else that even though you and I might think about what tomorrow brings, and you and I might plan for tomorrow, that even though we may try to reduce our risk as much as possible, and you've got an umbrella policy on top of your homeowner's insurance policy, and you've got your car insurance, and you've got insurance for absolutely everything that you could ever think of, even though we might try to mitigate our future risk, that doesn't really decrease our worry. It just redirects it. And part of the idea and part of the problem is that we still think we are going forward through time, looking ahead and planning ahead, that the past is behind us. And that somehow, if we just think about it properly and find the right right expert, then we can plan for the future so that we will never have to worry about the future. And I think there is a little bit of beauty in that idea of facing the past, that you see what has happened in the past, that you understand where you have been in the past, but the future is behind you in the sense that you don't know what's coming. Because you look at what Jesus says here, and he says a couple of times, don't worry. And every time that I, that I use this with somebody, such as um, the, the Shredding members that I got to visit this past week, I start reading it and they just start nodding their heads even before I start talking about any applications. Because it doesn't matter how old you are, how healthy you are, or your position or status in life, worry is the natural companion to our lives in the flesh, our lives in this world. And Jesus says, Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And we spend so much effort trying to find a way to make sure that we've got all of our bases covered, or at least enough of them, so we won't have to worry. But he gets down to the bottom line when he says, do not be afraid, little flock. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And he flips the script. Don't be afraid. Because the problem, the problem isn't the worry. Now, is it? The problem is this idea that we ought to be in control and that I ought to have my life go the way that I want and I ought to have the ability to, to reduce my risk. And I, I ought to be able to make it so I can be certain that I have nothing to worry about. And we don't like not being in control. And behind that, that door of worry, you open it and it's a fear. It's the same fear that your insurance agent would use when he tries to sell you another insurance package, and thank God for that. But it's the same fear that Jesus addresses directly, that we worry about the things that we care about, we worry about the people that we care about, and we worry about the unexpected that will turn our lives upside down. And Jesus cuts through that and he says, you know what, the problem isn't so much the worry, but the worry is a door to a greater problem, a lack of trust, a fear, an understanding and a thought that I want to know and I want to control what the future has to offer, and I'm afraid that there's gonna be some sort of surprise that will, that will disrupt my plans, that I'm afraid that that tomorrow isn't going to be the exact way that I had hoped. And that even though we pray, give us this day our daily bread, at the end of the day, I want to see some, some numbers. I want to see some assurance, some reason why I can be sure that tomorrow is going to be provided for. Do not be afraid, little flock, he says. And in between... In between, as he talked about worry and worry and worry and our future or our future, a future that is unknown even though we try to plan for all of it, in between, Jesus says some of the most strange things and perhaps even preposterous to our ears things. Because he talks about worry, and we think we have it figured out, and we think that we have have spent enough of our lives reducing our risk so that we don't have to worry. And then Jesus goes on. Verse 29 and following. Do not constantly chase after what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not be worried about it. To be sure, the nations of the world chase after all these things, but your Father knows that you need them. And verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not become old. A treasure in the heavens that will not fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And all in the context of don't worry and don't be afraid because your heavenly Father has given you a greater treasure than you could ever ask or imagine. But when he says, you know, sell your possessions and provide for the poor, and provide um, money bags that will not wear out. That runs headfirst into our attempts to reduce our worry. Well, Jesus, haven't you seen the uh, the stock exchange? And that's where a lot of my retirement is kind of parked right now. Um, I, I understand what you mean and I understand what you say about providing for those who are in need. But I have to make sure that I provide for Myself first. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. But Jesus, don't you know that those people made all sorts of life choices and decisions that kind of got them to where they're at? And even though I might sympathize with them and even though they might be a victim of circumstance, at the same time, I can't fix all of it. At the same time, I can only do so much. And that's the attitude that goes hand in hand with thinking that we control the future, that we've done enough to reduce our risk, that the wealth that the Lord has provided is our own to manage and to manage well, that that is exactly how God will provide for me because that's what I can see, that's what I can count, and that's what I can trust. And isn't that the bottom line? That what we worry about gives us a door to what we are most afraid of losing. But what we worry about we are most afraid of losing ends up being the certainty that I am in control and that I can provide for what I need and that I have nothing to worry about because I've done all that it takes and I've done all the work of making sure that that my efforts have been directed in a good way and my time has been spent properly. And I think that mindset of going forward through time, and you sit down with your investment advisor and he says, well, how long do you plan on living? And based on an annual four to 6% rate of return, this is how much you need to maintain your standard of living versus the more Jewish, Semitic mindset that the past is what we can see, that the future is unknown. And yes, our Lord still gives us the responsibility to manage and steward the gifts that he has given to us. But we do that with recognition that he will take care of the future, which despite our best efforts will always remain unknown to us. Because it's very simple. And I think one of the reasons why, when I start reading this, and it happened, it's happened in every single church that I've served, I start reading through this section, and, um, and this person sitting across the table or sitting in their chair um, just kind of starts nodding and tearing up a little bit. Like Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And it's easy enough to admit that despite our best efforts, we still have worry. I mean, raise your hand if you have no worries. But there is a role for proper Christian concern, which is of a different sort. Worry. Worry says, I need to make sure that I can control my future. Looking that way. Proper Christian concern says, here are the things that our Lord has given to me for me to manage, and now I'm living as though I'm going backward through time, that I can't see what's in the future, but I am living according to this word of God. And this God who has provided everything for me will continue to provide everything for me exactly as he needs and exactly according to his time frame. Because that's where Jesus ends up. Do not be afraid, little flock, because your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Of all the things that you and I might worry about, there's this absolute certainty that Jesus has won everything for you. There's this absolute certainty that heaven itself is a gift to you and for you. And there's this absolute certainty that Jesus was so focused on restoring this relationship that he also wants that same sort of focus to reconfigure our relationship with the responsibilities we have in this world. Jesus' focus was so much on bringing you back into a proper relationship with God that when he says things like he says here, when he says things that kind of strike our ear as um, a little bit, little bit out of touch with our current economic philosophies, such as sell all you have and give to the poor, when he says these things, he says them with the full knowledge and with the full blessing of having given you his everything. Because that's what he did. That God, who loved you so much, he gave his one and only son so that you would enjoy forever with him. A forever that started at your baptism where the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you personally and individually. A forever that Jesus wants to continue to um, bring this attitude into your life. That you, like Abraham, are a stranger here. That you and I together, we live according to what our Lord has said in his word, and we leave the results up to our God. That God had said to Abraham, go to this faraway land, and Abraham went. He was living according to the word of God and leaving the results up to the Lord. That's the same thing that we have for you and me today. That we carry out ministry together, that we gather around the word of God together, that we sit down and study this word together because we know that God will bless it. We make decisions, yes, on a ministry basis, for the purpose of saying, well, what's the best thing, the best use that we can make with our time and our talent and our ability now? But once we've made those decisions, we go ahead, or go ahead, if you will, and we live according to what God has outlined for us in his word, and we leave the results up to him. And that our question, our question isn't to say, well, how is God going to bless this right now? Our question more so is to ask, how can we be faithful with the word of God now? Because nothing good is going to happen if we aren't. Our question isn't so much the question of the world of, how do we assure that this, that this congregation will be here in 20, 30, 40 years? That's a question for 20 or 30 or 40 years from now. The question today is how can we use the word of God so that Jesus will continue to build a congregation at this place? Because that mindset of the world, that mindset of your insurance advisor who wants you to plot out how long you plan on living is a mindset that would easily get wrapped into God's church and have us saying, well, what's the payback for our investment of time, and effort, and energy, rather than saying, what has our God told us to do, and how can we be more faithful with it? Part of that faithfulness is is the survey that I handed out last week at our quarterly ministry meeting, and there's one out on the table for you if you didn't get one, or in the, the link in the email that you could click. Because as people who, yes, we think about the future, But we aren't so much concerned about the future as we are concerned about being faithful with the word of God today. Because this Jesus who has promised to give you the kingdom, this Jesus who has promised to bless you with everything, really has. He really has. And if there were ever any doubt, then come taste and see. Taste your forgiveness again. Where he promises that here. Each individual communicant receives the same body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under the bread and the wine. And each believer comes and receives his or her own forgiveness of sins once more. That the reason Pastor Hagen wrote yet another survey like that to say how can you help serve in the ministry here is because we're still living and we need to live like people who see the blessings that God has given to us today and want to use the gifts that God has given to us today to be faithful to what God has told us to do today. And we'll leave the results up to him, even as we, yes, still try to make wise decisions. But the reason we have a survey like that is to say, well, how can you be involved in some aspect of the ministry, some aspect of Christ's ministry here, some aspect of bringing a little bit of reassurance to people who worry. It might be as simple as, um, you know, helping to set up or clean up after communion. It might be as simple as, um, you know, like working with our member encouragement committee and talking to a few of those people who haven't been in church for a while. It might be as simple, especially um, if you've been a longtime member previously at either Hosanna or Zion, it might be as simple as using a little script and calling five or six people and say, dear friend, I haven't seen you at church. And I'm calling you because I'm concerned. And I'm calling because I want to see you worship with us here. Because one day, I also want to see you worship with us there. That in all of my visits this week, I think I concluded by saying, well, there's a lot that people want to worry about. But really, there's nothing to worry about. Just a lot to pray about. That there's nothing to worry about because your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That there's a lot to pray about because there's a lot of opportunity and responsibility today. That there's nothing to worry about in that our Lord has promised to bless his word and bless his people. But there's a lot to pray about because there are people who still are Looking at their, their lives and saying, Well, this was unexpected, or despite my best efforts, this other bad thing happened to me. That there's nothing to worry about because your Jesus has given you everything. Because your Jesus laid down his life to promise you hope and forgiveness and a future. But there's everything to pray about because this Jesus has has brought us here together as a congregation, this Jesus has placed us here together as a congregation, and he said, dear friend, do you see the opportunities before you? Dear friend, do you see how you might use the, what God has given to you, your time or, or your abilities or a little bit of, of your work so that we can think about, not worry about the future, but at least think about how can we share the word of God with one more? How can we plan our ministry together so that 2023 is a ministry that we all have worked on together and discussed? And so that maybe in the next couple of years, we can talk about another place to bring the word of God to another person. And it all comes back to obviously, what Jesus says here. And we have this tendency in our world, in our society, to think we can control the future with enough effort and with enough math. But the reality that Jesus says is that we leave the future up to him, but it's up to us to make use of what he has given to us today. Is up to us to learn from the past and make decisions today with the opportunities and with the resources that He has given today to say, well, here's what we're going to do in line with the Word of God, and we'll leave the results up to Him. So Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And then He flips it, don't be afraid your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Amen.